All right. Uh, just as a, 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 a pre-service announcement, we do have downstairs, um, this is not just for you guys who are here, but if you have friends who would like to come to church at some point in time and they say, but you don't understand, my child is a maniac, you know what I mean, things of that nature. Uh, I have six of maniacs, so don't feel bad. Um, we have a TV set up downstairs on a cart with a sound bar, and, and we set up this whole thing so that if people come and they've got little tiny kids who get rowdy because we're not having children's church, so if we have little tiny kids that get rowdy, which I got to say, like the little kids that have been coming to church, it's been amazing how well behaved they've been, but it's difficult sometimes. But we've got a live feed downstairs as well of the service. So uh, at any point in time, they can, they can go right downstairs and continue watching the service and not miss a beat, and their kids can run around a little bit and, and, not, and not distract them. So uh, that is just uh, free information for you guys. If you would turn in your Bibles with me to the book of Deuteronomy, <clears throat> and we are picking up in chapter 7, Deuteronomy chapter 7. Starting with verse 1, and we'll start with a word of prayer. Heavenly Father, we come before you in Jesus' name, and, and we ask, Lord God, that you would cover these verses for us, Lord. We, uh, we don't want to see these things with our eyes, Father, but we want to see them with the eyes that you've given us, eyes of faith. Uh, Lord, and we want to hear these words spoken to our hearts through hearts of faith, Lord, and we pray that each person would receive something from you, Father, that I could never give them. Um, that they would hear your voice in their hearts, Father, and that you would be instructing them and encouraging them, and we're necessary correcting them, Father, to go the right way, the way that you've called them to go, according to your word, Father. So have your way in us, in our church, in our homes, in our communities, and, and everywhere that we go, Father. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. 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 Deuteronomy chapter 7. Now, of course, <clears throat> Deuteronomy means second law, and the reason that the law had to be repeated is because it was given to people, right? And so anybody who has children uh, realizes that you have to repeat things, not once, not twice, but 32 trillion times. It's the exact number, 32 trillion, that you have to repeat something before it finally sinks in. You know, I don't know if you've ever been sitting with your kids and you're, you're, you're pontificating to them something, and you're, are you listening to me? Are you hearing the words? that are coming out of my mouth, and their eyes are spinning in different directions and things like that, and you're wondering, oh, this, this kid's not listening to a word I'm saying, you know? So you repeat it again and again and again. Here's what I love about our God. Here's what I love about our faith that we have. God knows, the Bible says God knows our frame. He knows who we are. He knows that we're dust. He created us. He formed us. First with Adam and Eve, out of the dust of the earth, he created us. He formed us. He knows every single minute detail about you. The Bible says that he has the hairs of your head numbered. He knows you personally. He loves you personally. Jesus Christ died on the cross for each one of you personally. And it is a personal faith. It is a personal relationship with Jesus Christ that God wants you to have. Jesus in the garden of Gethsemane, when he was sweating, as it were, those drops of blood, he cried out to the father and he said, if it is possible, let this cup pass from me. What Jesus was saying was, if there's any other way, God, if there's any other way that this thing can be accomplished, that mankind can finally be restored to a relationship with you, if it's anything then through this crucible that I'm about to endure, then let it be so. Nevertheless, we know the words, not my will, but your will be done. And God allowed his only begotten son 
to be marred beyond, beyond the marring that any man had ever received before. The Bible says that you couldn't even tell he was a man. This is in the Old Testament. It's one of the prophecies concerning Messiah is that his visage would be marred beyond that of a man. His face was beaten into a bloody pulp, his beard ripped out, and his back lacerated. He would have died from the beating if they didn't crucify him. He would have bled out, or he would have died of infection. He went through horrific, awful, terrible pain. But the Bible says that as a sheep, as a lamb before its shears is silent, so he opened not his mouth. It wasn't until he was nailed to that cross and all of the sin of all mankind, of all the ages, was laid upon him as he became the sacrificial lamb, as he became the propitiation for the sins of the world and all the sins of our hearts, of our lives, and the lives of every person, every man, woman, and child who's ever lived were laid upon him and his own father of whom he had never lost communion for one second from ages and eons past and through his entire physical life who had to turn his back on his son. He had to turn his back on him. He had to forfeit him. He had to reject him. He had to repudiate him because he was covered in our sin. And that was the cost. And that was the price that Jesus paid. And he paid it happily. And the reason he paid it happily, the Bible says, is that he did it for the joy that was set before him. Now, it wasn't going to heaven. He was going anyway. It's because he knew that by that sacrifice and by what he was doing and what was being accomplished that day, you would be there too if you would call upon his name. That's the relationship that you have in God through Jesus Christ. You understand, like, we take it for granted. It's what we do is take relationships for granted. We're excellent at it. Right, husbands? Well, that's what Mother's Day is for. Oh, I'm sorry, you know. I'm, I'm going to be better, I swear. You know. We take things for granted. It's what we do. But let us never, ever take for granted the cost, the price, and the heart that was behind what was accomplished for you. You are of great worth and value to God that he would give his only son for you. I, there's no speech. There's no, there's no pop psychology. There's no pep talk. There's nothing I could ever say to you that's more that would lift you up higher than that praise right there that you, because you were created by him in his image and because you exist, are loved by him and treasured by him to the point of his own son's life. It is a glorious salvation that we have. It is wondrous. And here's what the Bible teaches us and here's what the Bible shows us. We're in the Old Testament. We're talking about the law. This is why I'm doing all this because we have to be reminded of these things again and again and again. Second law, third law, fourth law, you know. But for you and I who are in Jesus Christ, the, the handwritings of requirements, the Bible says that were against us because they're contrary to us. That's why the law is against us. It's not because the law is bad. It's because we're bad. The law is perfect. We're the ones that are imperfect. As Peter said, why would we put a yoke and burden upon the Gentiles that neither we nor our forebears were able to endure? Hello, Peter says. That's the Frank Thomas translation. Peter said, hello, McFly. Think, McFly, we couldn't keep the law. Look at this guy. Look at this guy from Pergamos. He's pierced everywhere. He's tattooed from head to toe. I don't know what's going on with his hair. He's going to keep the law. She's going to keep the law. 
the handwritings of requirements that were against us because it's contrary to our very nature through Jesus Christ our Lord were nailed to the cross with him. And so now my salvation, my holiness, my sanctification, and my eternal destination are signed, sealed, and delivered as I remain in Jesus Christ, my Lord and Savior. It is only through him. He said, I am the singular way. I am the singular truth. And I am the singular life. There is no other way to the Father, Jesus said, except through me. And he didn't say that to be a bigot. He didn't say that to be a jerk. He didn't say that to leave people out. It was the most important instruction that a human being, a man, had ever given another person or group of people in the history of the planet. I'm going to say that again. It was the most important words and the most important piece of instruction that any person had ever given to any man or group of people in the history of the planet. This is eternal consequence. I am the way, the truth, and the life. That's the gospel. It was the gospel 2,000 years ago. It's the gospel today. The Bible hasn't changed. The gospel hasn't changed. God hasn't changed. His glory hasn't changed. His kingdom hasn't changed. So what's different? I've changed. I've forgotten. I forget. You know why? Because I'm busy. <laughs> and life is good. And the giants stink. And I can't get over it. You know what I mean? I know. Oh, oh my goodness, the things that throw me off of, off of the glorious path. <laughs> How easily I'm kicked. This is going to be simple. Watch. Watch this, Beelzebub, will knock the internet out. <laughs> there I go, you know what I mean? And I have to be constantly reminded and constantly have to have it brought back to my recollection. Who sits on the throne? Who is the king eternal? At what cost my life, my soul was purchased? And friends, the Bible teaches us we were purchased at great cost and it was for a purpose. The Bible says our life is not our own. We were purchased to God by the very blood of Jesus Christ, the most valuable and precious commodity in the history of the universe, the blood of Jesus Christ. So always remember, remember, remember. Hopefully that's what church is all about. Deuteronomy 7.1, when the Lord your God brings you into the land which you go to possess. The children of Israel, of course, on the verge of entering into the promised land. They're going to be crossing over the Jordan. They're going to be first facing the walls in the city of Jericho. And from that point in time, the conquest of Canaan is going to begin. And they're going to go into the land. And, the, and, and, and this, this is what we've been reading the last couple of weeks, God's instruction to the people upon entering the promised land. When the Lord your God brings you into the land which you go to possess and has cast out many nations before you, and here they are, the Hittites and the Girgashites and the Amorites and the Canaanites and the Perizzites and the Hevites and the Jebusites and the Termites. I got, see, you were paying attention. Good. Seven nations greater and mightier than you. Well, that's unsensitive. That's mean. We're pretty good, Lord. Uh, they're all better than you, he says. They're all greater, they're all mightier than you. And when the Lord your God, now that's the key, isn't it? Now that's the key, isn't it? Who breaks down the strongholds in my life and in your life? Who is it that's going to bring peace to your heart? Who is it that's going to defeat the giant in your life, whatever it may be? 
Because every single one of us has got a Goliath that every single morning taunts you or in the evening or in the afternoon or once a month or whatever it is, that thing in your life. Because we all got one. And when that giant taunts you and when that giant makes boasts against you, there's one thing who's going to defeat him. And it's the same words that David said to Goliath that day when he had his slingshot. He didn't say, you think you're, you think you're bad, dude? Wait till you see what I can do with my slingshot. You know, that's not what David said. He said, you come against me with a sword and a spear, but I come against you in the name of the Lord, right? It wasn't the stones, and it wasn't the sling, and it wasn't the runt who was throwing them. It was the Lord his God. And when the Lord your God delivers them over to you, you shall conquer them and utterly destroy them. After that, there was no such thing as Amorites and Girgashites and Perizzites. Uh, you shall make no covenant with them, nor show mercy to them, nor shall you make marriages with them. You shall not give your daughter to their son, nor take their daughter for your son. For they, and here's the reason, here's the reason, okay? You know, morons have used this in the past to say, this is why interracial dating is wrong. Those people are stupid idiots. And that's the King James Version. Here's the reason why. Here is the only reason that one person shouldn't marry another person because it's not in accordance with God's word. You understand? I'm going to say it again. The only reason that a person shouldn't marry another person is because it's not in accordance with God's word. And what God is clearly saying to Moses here, it's not because I don't like Perizzites. It's not because I don't like Amorites or Girgashites or Canaanites or any of the otherites. It's because they will turn your sons and daughters' hearts away from me. And the very reason that they're being dispossessed and their cities destroyed and laid waste and they're being driven from this place is because of the wickedness of the idolatry that they have stooped themselves in these many hundreds of years. Now, this goes back to Abraham when God called Abraham and he prophesied to Abraham and told him that your offspring, your children are going to go into Egypt for 400 years. And he gives them the reason why. Because the sins of the Amorites has not yet reached its fulfillment. This is what God said to, to, uh, to Abraham. In other words, listen to this. Abraham, I'm going to allow 400 years of enslavement for your people to show mercy to another people. Now, I know the Israelites are God's chosen people, and I know that God loves the nation of Israel, and God loves the Jewish people because that's what he says in his word, and his promises that he's made endure forever and ever and ever and ever, but he was willing that they would go into captivity 400 years so that he might show mercy to other people. Are you hearing me? Your freedom is not numero uno on God's list. It is the salvation of the people in your life. It is the salvation of maybe the people you hate. That is God's numero uno. And he says, and I want to use you. Me? You think the, 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 the account of Jonah is for nothing? What's the account of Jonah? Jonah, you're going to go preach to the Ninevites. Can't do it, Lord. Why? You busy? Schedule's full? No, I hate him. He's a wonderful prophet of God, isn't he? Where do you want me to go preach, Lord? Why don't you go to Nineveh? Sorry, Lord, I hate those people. I want them all to burn in a fiery, tormental, you know. This is what he said. He said, jo Jonah, did I stutter? Jonah, go to Nineveh. Okay, God, I'll be right back. And he gets on a boat and flees and runs away. 
and God sends the storm, and God sends the great fish to swallow Jonah up and to vomit him up. Guess where? Guess where he gets puked? Nineveh. Now, the Ninevites worshiped the god Dagon, who was half fish and half man. And so they're out there fishing, they're all on the shore, and here comes some sort of giant freak beast of a fish, and it comes up and it goes, and out comes a man, bleached from the stomach acid, no doubt. You're right? And like, like, like Johnny Depp in <laughs> Pirates of the Caribbean, you know, you think he was a little disoriented? Uh, ah, who are you? Thus saith the Lord, three days in judgment. And the entire city of Nineveh in sackcloth and ashes repented before the Lord. And God brought mercy to them. And Jonah still wasn't happy about it. And God had to do some more mean things to Jonah to teach him this lesson, that the salvation of the people you hate is preeminent in my heart, Jonah, above your comfort, above what you want. It's preeminent. And so God gave them hundreds, literally hundreds of years. And I don't know if he sent prophets there. I don't know how that all worked out. But the time of judgment was at hand. And he used the nation of Israel to go in and dispossess these people and to eradicate, eradicate the darkness and the wickedness, the worshiping practices of the Canaanite people are things that you wouldn't talk about in mixed company. It involved slaughter, it involved murder, it involved every type of horrific thing imaginable. And God says, I've given them all these hundreds of years, and it's time for the judgment, and you are going to be my people who I'm going to use on planet Earth to do this. Now, this is before Jesus. This is before grace. This is before mercy. This is the law. The law does one thing to the sinner. Only one. And, and, and here's a hint. It ain't justify them. It condemns you. It condemns me. You ever hear that thing, the good test? Anybody hear the good test? And they, these guys go out on the street, and they do street evangelism, and they start asking people questions. You think you're a good person? You think you're going to heaven? Yeah, I think I'm a pretty good person. And then you start asking them questions. Look at Barb smiling. She's an evangelist. She loves this stuff. <clears throat> Have you ever stolen anything? No, I've never stolen anything. <laughs> really? And the paper clips from the office, a pencil, never, never. Well, I mean, <laughs> I've stolen a little bit here and there. What does that make you? When you steal something, what does that make you? A uh, uh, thief. Okay, you're a thief. Okay. <laughs> Have you ever told a lie? Well, of course, everyone's told a lie. What does that make you? A uh, uh, liar. <laughs> and they go down through this good test. And the whole poor purpose of it is to show a person that according to God's perfect and holy law, all of us stand condemned. There is no flesh that does not stand condemned under God's perfect and holy law, to give to them the hope that follows, but, but Jesus Christ, but the hope that is in our Lord. But there is never, ever, ever, ever to be any covenants or agreements made between that which is holy and that which is unholy. And that's what God is talking to Moses about here. 
You shall, you shall, uh, nor shall you make marriages with them. You shall not give your daughter to their son, nor take their daughter to your son, for they will turn your sons away from following me to serve other gods. So the anger of the Lord will be aroused against you and destroy you suddenly. But thus you shall deal with them. You shall destroy their altars and break down their sacred pillars and cut down their wooden images and burn their carved images with fire. For you are a holy people to the Lord your God. The Lord your God has chosen you to be a people for himself, a special treasure above all the peoples on the face of the earth. The Lord did not set his love on you, nor choose you because you were more in number than any other people, for you were the least of all peoples. Isn't that funny? Isn't that a little, a little tidbit into the mind of God there? Why he chooses people. It's not because they're the best. It's not because they're the brightest. It's not because they're the most talented. And in fact, we don't know why God chooses the people that he chooses. I'm just glad he chose me. And I hope you're glad he chose you as well. But here's the reason. But because the Lord loves you and because he would keep the oath which he swore to your fathers, the Lord has brought you out with a mighty hand and redeemed you from the house of bondage from the hand of Pharaoh, king of Egypt. Therefore, now remember therefore. If there's a therefore, you got to know why it's therefore, right? Everything leading up to this point is now going to be culminated. Now, here comes the main point of what God has said thus far, okay? You don't make any covenants with them. You don't give your, your kids to them in marriage. You don't make any agreements with them. You don't take any aspects of their religion or the way that they worship me into, into your worship of me. No, you break down their altars. You break down their sacred pillars. You break down their idols. You burn them with fire, because I called you, I brought you from the land of bondage for one reason. It's not because you're so wonderful. It's because I, the Lord your God, love you. Now, verse 9, therefore, know that the Lord your God, he is God, the faithful God. And here's what his economy looks like, guys. He keeps covenant and mercy for a thousand generations with those who love him and keep his commandments. And he repays those who hate him to their face to destroy them. He will not be slack with him who hates him. He will repay him to his face. Therefore, you shall keep the commandment the statutes and the judgments which I command you today to observe them. Now, this is going to be repeated in the New Testament by the apostles. Because of the wickedness and the lawlessness, the apostle says, that are on planet Earth, the judgment of God is coming. And if you've never done a study through eschatology or through the book of Revelation, Dad's got a book called The Book of Revelation Made Plain and Clear that you can pick up and you can read it. And he goes through it and he talks about it and he makes it simple to understand. But know this and understand this. We believe the entire Bible. We believe everything that the Bible says is the Word of God. And there's people out there and there's systems out there that are going to tell you that the Bible is old, that the Bible is outdated, that the Bible can't be trusted, that the Bible contradicts itself, that the Bible preaches silliness and nonsense and, and the like. And I'm here to tell you, 
If you become a student of the Bible and you begin to understand what this book is, 66 books in total, penned by over 60 authors over a period of 16 or 14 or 1600 years, and that yet it's one integrated message system that comes from beyond our time-space domain, this book is miraculous, this book pierces and penetrates the thoughts and intentions of the heart, it is the foundation upon which Western civilization is based, make no mistake about it. There is no other book like this book, and the Bible says our knowledge of him is useful in our lives for making us in the image of Jesus Christ and for knowing God, and for knowing God. That's what this book is given to us for. We believe everything that's in this book, and God is a God of mercy and a God of grace and a God of, and a God, uh, of love and a God of forgiveness, but he is also the judge of all mankind, and he makes no excuse for that, he makes no concession for that, and he doesn't seek to water that down in any way, shape, or form. God will judge iniquity. God will judge wickedness. He's done it in times past, and he's going to do it again in the future. The judgment of God is going to fall upon planet Earth once more. And the only reason that anybody isn't going to heaven, the only reason that anybody is going to hell is because they have chosen to do so by rejecting the free gift of salvation that comes through one person and one name, and that is Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior. Amen. And we have a job to do. Our job is to tell as many people as we possibly can that truth. Now, I don't recommend you lead with that. Okay, okay, that doesn't usually go too well, okay? Ah, you sinners, where do the flying demon locusts get here? I'll fix your way. That doesn't, that's not going to go, okay? Turn or burn, it doesn't work. <clears throat> I've tried that with certain family members. It doesn't work, okay? <clears throat> what people need to know, what people need to know is that they're loved, what people need to know is that what we talked about here at the beginning of service, that they are of great value, and in order for me to do that appropriately and properly, they have to actually be, to me, of great value. I have to stop pe seeing people according to their uh, political affiliation. Hello? Joe Biden is your president, by the way. Okay? <laughs> huh? <laughs> Who cares, man? Who cares? That dude needs to be saved, too. You know what I'm saying? Let me at him. You know, it's a political affiliation. I hate these group of people. I hate that group of people. Really? Really? Because Jesus Christ died on the cross for them, and they're of as much worth and value to him as you are. And he wants you to have that same heart and that same mind, to go out there with arms open to love as many people as will have it. They don't care about how much you know until they know how much you care. Jesus Christ spoke the truth always. He never compromised the word of God. He never compromised the law of God. He spoke it in truth as it was, but he always wrapped it, in, in, immersed it, and presented it in love. First, he made the sinner understand one thing. I love you. Woman, where are your accusers? There's none, Lord, then neither do I. Neither do I accuse you. Then he told her, go and sin no more. Then he told her, follow me. But the first thing she needed to know is, I love you, and I don't condemn you. The Bible says the world already stands condemned because of sin, and it is not our jo job to judge it. 
Our job is to love it. Love it. But what if they take away my guns? Well, then you can shoot them. It's in here somewhere, I swear. It's in the Constitution. The Constitution's not God's word. What if they throw you in a FEMA camp, Frank? You know, there's no chicken wings there. Well, I'll cross that bridge when I get to it. It's going to be rough. <laughs> you know what I mean? How about just the blue cheese? I'll just drink that. Can I do that? <laughs> Put a little red hot in it. That's gross. I'm sorry. I apologize for that. If I get put in a FEMA camp, then I'll preach the gospel in the FEMA camp. And if I get taken here or I lose that, then from that point of view in my life and wherever I'm at and whatever level of captivity or enslavement or lack of freedom or whatever it is you want to call it, I'm going to do the same job that I was called to do before when I had freedom. And that's what Paul talks about when he says, I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. It's not I can score touchdowns. It's not I can make a lot of money. It's not I can get this business off the ground. It says, he says, I know how to abound in the Lord Jesus Christ, no matter the situation, no matter the circumstances, if I'm sitting in a palace or if I'm shipwrecked in the sea. He sits on the throne. He is my God. He is my king, and I will ever serve him and preach the gospel of Jesus Christ to everyone who comes in my path. There's one calling, Christian, one, and it doesn't have an R or a D before it, or even an American flag. I know we love our freedom, and we love our liberty, and we love the country that we live in, but you are citizens of heaven. Jesus said to Pontius Pilate, if my kingdom were of this world then my servants would fight. But as it is, Pontius, my kingdom is not of this world. Make no mistake, he said to Pilate, the only reason you have the power to take my life away from me is because it was given to you by God. And down through the ages, the church of Jesus Christ has been watered with the blood of the saints. But we can't let it happen here but we can't allow that here. Now listen to me. I'm not being a doomsday guy, okay? Personally, I think it's all over but the crying, okay? That's where I stand. I'm waiting for the return of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. There's only one thing that I care about. When you want to talk about this country, you want to talk about where this country is going, which way it's going, whatever, all that nonsense, fine. We can have that discussion. But this country, it was told of old by a French poet, America is great because America is good. America will cease to be great when America ceases to be good. And what he was talking about was not the government, and he was not talking about the Constitution even. He was talking about the churches, that the Word of God was being preached from those places and flamed with righteousness. And he says, when God gets kicked out of that country, that'll be their downfall. We forget. What did the devil do? What is God saying right here to the children of Israel? I don't want you to make a covenant with wickedness because it's going to come into your home and destroy you. And that's where America is right now. We have allowed wickedness and covetousness and idolatry and darkness to become pervasive in this land. It's the language of this land. This isn't God's judgment, but God is a gentleman and he will not go where he's not welcome. You know where he is welcome? In this place. You know where he is welcome, hopefully? In your heart. 
And that's where your freedom lies, and that's where your liberty lies, and that's where your glory lies, and that's where your joy and your hope and your peace lies. It's not in a parchment, and it's not in a government, God forbid. It's in the relationship that you have with the king of the universe. Because Jesus lives here. And here's what else I can tell you about that faith, folks. Nobody can take it away from you. They can't legislate it away from you. They can't kill you and take it away from you. Nobody can take that away from you. But that's where our hope must lie. Because this world, my friends, is dying. This world is ripe for God's judgment. And the Bible says this, how beautiful are the feet of those who bring good news. And that's what the gospel is, and that's what the gospel means. Good news. God, may my feet be swift to bring the good news. May my feet be swift to tell people that God loves you. And not allow myself to become fired up against a person because of the, of the situation of their life, the, the, the particular sin that they, they find themselves in, or God forbid, because of some stupid political affiliation. I mean, you think of how stupid that is, how ridiculous that is in the economy of God. And we got Christians that are ready to mail it in, baby. We're done here. It's all over. Because of who, Trump? Just say, I've been watching him on TV for years. He wasn't ever the hope. Okay? You like the policies. You don't like the policies. You vote for the man. You don't vote for the man. He was never my hope. Jesus Christ is our sure and firm foundation. He is the rock on which the church is built and upon which your salvation is laid. There is none other. There is none other. So let us take hope in that. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we come before you in Jesus' name and we praise you and we worship you and we thank you because you're worthy of our praise and of our worship, Lord God. You are the king of the universe. You've created all things and you have loved us to a degree and to a depth and to a level that we can barely scratch the surface of, Father. We pray and ask only, Lord God, that you would give us hearts of obedience, Lord, to draw ourselves, to allow ourselves to be drawn into your arms, Father, into your presence, into your very throne room spiritually, Father God, that you would be our all in all and that we would be your children and we would be seeking in our lives to reflect the image of Jesus Christ in our love, in our mercy, in our compassion, and in our willingness to speak the truth, Father, regardless of the consequences, regardless of how we're hated for speaking the truth, Father, we pray that we would do it anyway. And we would do it with love in our hearts, Father, because you love us first. And you love the people that we're preaching to as well, Lord God. While they're still enemies, Jesus died for them, the Bible tells us. Help us to be those ambassadors that you need us to be, Father. We love you. We praise you. I pray that you would be with my brothers and sisters here today, Father. As they leave this place and go out into the world, I pray that you would go with them. I pray that you would cause your face to shine upon them, that you would be gracious to them, Lord. I pray that you would season their words and season the thoughts of their hearts with grace and truth. And I pray, Lord, that you would take them to places maybe they never thought that they would go to bring the gospel to a people they never thought they'd tell it to, Lord, so that souls might be saved and brought into the kingdom, Father, and that they might understand and know the brotherhood that we have in Jesus Christ, Lord. Bless these people. Bless their families, I pray, Lord. Bless the work of their hands. 
Bless them in all they do as they seek to follow after you, Father. And it's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. 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 Thanks, fam.